The WBEN All Local. All Local. Produced by Randy Bushover. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Masarowski outside looking at some smoke still. Uh, a little hazy out there. Tougher to see without the sun, but it's there. 60 degrees in Buffalo. We are dealing with more wildfire smoke from Canada today. An air quality alert remains in effect until midnight tonight. Western New York had air quality values of just over 200 yesterday in the very unhealthy zone. Here's State DEC Commissioner Basil Sagos. We expect the highest smoke concentrations to be Western New York, Eastern Lake Ontario, um, Central New York, and the Adirondack regions. Um, those were gonna, those are gonna be the areas that are gonna have the unhealthy air that's in that 151 to 200 range. State officials say emergency cell phone alerts will be used if the air quality index exceeds the 200 threshold for longer than an hour. Well, and air quality uh, suffering in the U.S. because of the Canadian wildfires, not just here. At least 20 states, several major cities from Chicago to Detroit to Pittsburgh also affected. Pennsylvania declaring what they call a code red. The overall risk for long-term harm from something like this is relatively on the lower side. And the reason being is because we're only experiencing it for a transient period of time. I think if we had conditions that left those plumes in, uh, in, in these areas for longer periods of time, we might see chronic problems happening. But right now, I think it's more of the acute issues. Those who are coming in with increased asthma exacerbations, pneumonitis, bronchitis. I wouldn't be worrying about the association of this transient experience to something like lung cancer. That's emergency room Dr. Darian Sutton. How did it change your plans yesterday? You can let us know on our text board, 803-0930, this morning with how you're dealing with the smoke. Lawmakers pushing for new regulation in response to the tragedy at the Lockport Cave. Here's WBEN's Max Ferry. In wake of a Lockport Cave boat capsizing earlier this month, resulting in the death of one man and injuries of 11, New York State Senator Rob Ord and Assemblyman Mike Norris are looking to pass legislation aiming to provide oversight for particular attractions like Lockport Caves so that accidents like this will hopefully not happen again. What has come out of this tragedy is that there does not seem to be a state agency whose responsibility it is to inspect the boat, to make sure that it's you know safe for occupants, uh, or even that the operator could reach out to if they had questions or issues. Senator Ort explains that this legislation, if passed, will task New York State's Office of Parks, Recreation, and Historic Preservation to oversee inspections for man-made mechanical boat attractions on man-made waterways. I don't know if this would have prevented the tragedy. We don't know that. We won't know that until the investigation is complete. But that doesn't mean we can't take action like this to address this. So that going forward, passengers, whether they're at the Lockport Caves or any other attraction like this in New York, they should be able to know and expect that somebody is performing inspections and safety inspections uh, on these kinds of attractions. I think everyone governmentally did expect that was the case here, and it wasn't until this tragedy. Our state officials are looking to get this passed hopefully by next session in Albany. You can hear the full remarks at WBEN.com. This is Max Ferry for WBEN.com News. All right, Max, thank you for that. Well, yesterday on WBEN, Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown said that he was hopeful the city council's decision to not give the downtown Bray Miller market a forgivable loan of over half a million dollars 
could be looked at again. So I am hopeful that the council will take another look at this and reconsider. You know, I don't take council members to task for voting in a way that they they think is right. Hopefully we can provide them with more information and have them take another look at this. WBEN's Brayton Wilson checks in with the council to see if that might happen. Back in March, Bray Miller Market formally requested a city grant of more than $500,000 signaling potential trouble for the future of the downtown location on Ellicott Street. During Tuesday's Buffalo Common Council meeting at City Hall, Bray Miller's request for the grant was brought forth to the table for discussion and formally denied by the council. I know the importance of a grocery store. Trust me, I live on the east side. I grew up on the east side. I know that there are those who feel like, and I've even read, the fate of Bray Miller's rests with the Common Council. I vehemently say that that is an error. It's a private business, and I think it's unfair to make it as if this council does not vote for a $500,000 grant or loan and then say their business is on our heels. It's not. It's on the business's heels. That's Council President Darius Pridge, and he acknowledges this decision was not made in any effort to spite Bray Miller, but it's more to do about business. While Pridgen hopes to see Bray Miller survive their struggles, he says denying the $500,000 grant is about doing the right thing for the community. Councilman Rashid Wyatt was also in agreement with the Council President. While he, too, does not want to see the Bray Miller downtown close, he did not feel comfortable giving out $500,000 to one entity when there are plenty of other small businesses that could use a chunk of that money for capital with their own ongoing concerns. I think we made the right decision. I think it's up to the district council member and working with the administration to try to find another suitable grocery store or something to fit in that space. But I think that's something that is also an east side conversation as well because we only have one grocery store there. So I think there's a larger conversation, but specifically regarding this one, I'm hopeful that they can come to some agreement with some other entity. More from decision from the Common Council on Bray Miller Market is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. Thanks, Brayton. The Sabres last night selected Zach Benson with the 13th overall pick in the NHL draft. Benson had 98 points in 60 games for Winnipeg in the Western Hockey League this past season where he played on a line with Matt Savoye, the Sabres' first-round pick last year. Benson spoke with Paul Hamilton after being picked. The way the roster's shaping up, they're going to uh, be a pretty deadly team, so uh, I couldn't be more happy to join them. And uh, you know the way they play, they're fast, uh, you know, hardworking team that don't really take nights off. So uh, to be able to join them, uh, you know, like I said before, it's pretty surreal. And finally, what did you think of the city? You were here for the combine. I mean, you didn't get all over the place, but you were here for a little bit. What did you think? Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I didn't really, like you said, I didn't really get to see the city, but uh, you know, Peyton Krebs sent me to. Uh, a restaurant that was a little out of our price range, so uh, maybe not go back there for a little while. <laughs> Hamburg native Quentin Musty, he was taken in the first round last night, picked 26 by San Jose. I want to know what that uh, dinner was. recommendation was. Yeah. Where <laughs> that he couldn't. You're an NHL player. Here, uh, you know. Well, almost at go, that point. Go over here. Yeah. Uh, to you know, th- oh, you're a hockey player too. This is where we all uh, love to eat. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an NHL player yet, uh, buddy. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, come on. Um, so, all right, Sabres get their uh, pick in the first round. They're going to be busy tonight, too, when the second round kicks off. Uh, the rest of the draft is tonight, too. They have the seventh pick in the second round, the 13th pick in the second round as well. So a couple of uh, early picks tonight. And then, you know, the whole rest of the draft as well. But if 
you're a Sabres fan, keep it busy early because right. they got two picks right away. And how optimistic are you about the Sabres outlook this coming season? It's our WBEN.com web poll. Very optimistic, somewhat optimistic, not optimistic. So far this morning, 47%, the biggest block, say somewhat optimistic. 19% very optimistic. You can check in on the right side of our page at WBEN.com. The exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast calls for hazy sunshine with smoke gradually thinning out this afternoon. Warmer highs in the upper 70s with light winds. Increasing clouds tonight, a spot shower possible overnight with temperatures dropping off into the low 60s. Turning humid tomorrow with a passing shower or a thunderstorm early in the day. Warmer highs in the mid 80s. Hit or miss showers for the holiday weekend on both Saturday and Sunday with plenty of dry time mixed in. Staying humid will see highs in the low to mid 80s. And the shower chances continue into Monday, but drying out for the 4th of July on Tuesday, warm and humid with highs in the low 80s. With the exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Mary Beth Robel. Joining us on the line, State Senate Minority Leader Rob Ort. We're talking about uh, new legislation being introduced in response to the tragedy that happened at the Lockport Cave. Uh, Rob, thanks for being on with us this morning. I guess we'll just first start with what you're looking for in terms of new regulations. Uh, well, good morning, Brian and Susan. It, and I want to be clear, it's not, it's not so much new regulations, right? What, what, what came out of this tragedy or in the wake of this tragedy, what we realized was that th- th- there, was not a, there was not really a, a legal definition um, under, in, in state law for an attraction like the Lockport Caves, right? There, there's, there's inspections for amusement parks. There's inspections if you're on a public waterway, like the canal or the Niagara River. Uh, but there's not, you know, there, there just wasn't a legal definition. And as a result of that, uh, and I think we saw this, people, you know, no one knew who was responsible for what state agency specifically would be responsible for inspections of an attraction like this, for going in, looking at safety, you know, uh, protocols, making sure, you know, staff were trained and everything was kind of going the right way from a safety standpoint. Um, And we know that over the years, when there were previous maybe incidents or things that happened, it sort of was a mishmash of agencies that came in. I think the Thruway Authority several years ago um, you know, was there, uh, but but no one really could say which agency had oversight or jurisdiction for this. Um, the governor admitted as much, um, and in my conversations with them, uh, you know, the, the DOL has been tasked with this in the short term, but we wanted to identify a longer-term solution. So uh, myself and Assemblyman Mike Norris, um, who also represents Logport, uh, that's what this legislation aims to do. It aims to legally define an attraction like the caves in Lockport and task the parks um, and historic preservation agency with with overseeing that from an inspection standpoint. This is kind of like finding a blind spot in your car, right? Yes. I mean, what else? Do you worry what else could be out there that hasn't received any oversight? You know, Susan, you, you sort of, I, I've been in Albany for eight years now and um that, that this is sort of always a uh, concern, I think, you know, under the law that there are, you know, unfortunately the public, you know, you're out there and you're you're going about your day or going to attraction or you're doing something. And I think there's always this assumption 
particularly in New York State, where we have, you know, a pretty heavy-handed government, there's the sense that, well, somebody must be inspecting this, right? Somebody's in charge. Somebody's taking care of this. And sometimes, a lot of times that's true, but sometimes it's, 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 it's not true, or sometimes there is a blind spot in the law, as you said. Now, so a lot of times that blind spot doesn't result in maybe any danger. It might result in maybe a, a, a new type of business or a product, um, you know, that is not, there, there's no uh, legal regulation for. You know, I think about like an Uber uh, when they came on the scene or Airbnb, you know, these are sort of new types of businesses that the law was not designed to oversee or regulate. But then you have uh, a, a cave attraction. It's been around a long time. And I think that there's, and, and, and by the way, it's a great attraction. Um, I've been on it. I've been, I've been in the caves um, and, and it's a great attraction. And it's a, it's a terrible tragedy on what happened. And I don't know that this legislation uh, and once, if we get it passed, I can't guarantee until the investigation's complete as to whether this would have prevented that. But I think in in the wake of it, we've identified that there needs to be a state agency that is tasked with with providing uh, regular inspections. And, and by the way, for the operator as well, but the operator can go to a state agency if there is an issue or if they have questions. Um, and because there was no legal definition, you didn't have that, and that's that's an unfortunate reality uh, that we're trying to uh, to remedy here with this with this law. But it's always a concern about blind spots in the law when it comes to things like this. For the cave, though, I mean, as you said, you've been there before. So many people have. I mean, it seems so benign. It's not something from even being there before that I think anybody would necessarily think like, "Whoa, we we definitely need somebody looking over this." Uh, right? Without the tragedy. Um, would there ever have been that thought? You know, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a fair question, Brian. I mean, because you're right. I would tell anyone who's never been there, it was not a, it was not a, it was not, first of all, it was not an attraction when you went on it that you, you felt that there was any danger to being in there. But I, I guess I would add, though, that that's really not the point, right? Because something can get, can get dangerous at any point, right? Even the mundane can become dangerous, um, and that's why you have, you know, even if it's a cursory uh, inspections, you know, just it might be a, an issue of weight, right? What is what is the total weight that, that should be allowed on a mechanical boat in that situation? Um, it might be, you know, um, just training the staff on, on, you know, how people are getting in and out of that boat because uh, while it might seem mundane, and, and it, many times I'm sure it was, something could go wrong and maybe you catch that on an inspection or maybe you catch that during a training or review. So that's why you have it. You're not trying to be overly cumbersome here, but I think when there is an incident or there's an issue, there should be a, a you know, an agency uh, that the local government or the operator uh, or even a, a, a someone on the boat can report that up and there should be some oversight. And I think there just wasn't here. So, um, but 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 you're right. I mean, it's absent this tragedy, we probably still would not be aware of this. And you know, again, I'm not going to say that's going to that this law is going to save a life, uh, or that it would have saved this individual's life. But I think you know these kinds of things should 
have some level of inspection on a regular basis, and they, they should know, the operators as well as the people going on the boat should know and should, should expect that there's been some safety oversight, some inspection uh, by a governing agency. And in this case, it would be the, uh, the Parks and Historic Recreation uh, Division of New York State. Rob, do you have an opinion on whether this Lockport Cave should reopen? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would the only I would only add as a caveat we're waiting on the investigation, Susan. But I would say yes, it should reopen. I mean, I, I uh, unless you know again unless something comes out of the investigation that that would maybe be a, a show some sort of negligence or willful negligence on the part of the operator or something like that, which uh, would you know I, I'm not anticipating necessarily, but um, absent absent something there. I think it should reopen. Again, I've been there. It's a really uh, cool historical thing in Lockport, right off the canal. Um, and I think if you look at their record for most of the time they've been operating, there's been no incidents. There's been you know nothing other than uh, people enjoying themselves and maybe learning about a piece of history in Lockport and Western New York that they didn't know. So I, I think it it should be able to reopen. And again, I think once we have an agency that, that's governing the inspections and safety of, a, of, a, of an attraction like this, it makes it easier to reopen and the public can go there knowing that there has been inspections and knowing that there's some oversight over the uh, operating of that kind of attraction. But I do think, and hopefully it will open, um, you know, some point here in the future. Rob Ort, State Senate Minority Leader, joining us live this morning. Thanks so much. Uh, pushing for some oversight. Onto that Lockport Cave attraction. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award winning WBEN Newsroom.